Watch the headbutts and elbows. No rabbit punches, no low blows. This will not be a clean fight, so protect yourself at all times. The underdogs are coming for the throne. This is the B-Sides Boxing Podcast. jab at somebody who's late and it's one of, one of my favorite uh, podcasts uh, the guys uh, that do it's always sunny in Philadelphia they do mm-hmm. they have a show a podcast and if somebody's late they just grill them the whole time that they're not there and then once they get once they finally arrive it's you know just typical I guess workplace kind of fans are like look who fucking decided to show up <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what time does your watch say? My watch says, yeah. What time does your watch say? Uh, Ten oh eight. Yeah, if I was in the central time zone, that's what mine would say too. Uh, I guess we could yep, just, yep. we could just kick off anyway. <sighs> sure, let's go. Mm, um. Okay. Yeah. Let's um. Uh, let's kick it off. This we are back. This is the B Sides Boxing Podcast. Joined today by my good buddy Nathan. He works with me over on the Ultimate Fucking Casual, the MMA show that we got. So if you want to hear his expert takes on mixed martial arts, that's the place to do it. And you can also hear me make an idiot of myself because I have no fucking idea what's happening most of the time. <coughs> well. We were supposed to have fun and uh, banter about the Oscars, at which point I plug my buddy Ryan's show, Real Deal Cinema, which is on uh, lvxentertainment.net if you would like to check it out. It's all about movies. And then I make a clever segue into Canelo versus John Ryder. The press kickoff was today. This was uh, held in Mexico. The fight's going to be in Mexico in uh, Guadalajara, uh, Canelo's hometown. Uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend. That's like his weekend. So first takes, Nathan. What did you? What were were you surprised at all to hear that it, it was a John Ryder? No, uh, absolutely not. And the reason I say that is because back when Canelo initially signed with Hearn, this was a fight that was floated, I think, by by Eddie initially as like Canelo wants to. You know he's a global superstar so he wants to fight across the globe so we're going to throw him in there with john Ryder on uk soil that was the initial i want to say he made that pitch one of the first things he did when he got him um so i kind of felt like this fight was going to happen at some point i think the only surprise is where it landed in canelo's hometown which i don't know i don't think it makes it any better because this is a pretty uh this is a pretty dire matchup. This is <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fucking mediocre at best. This is like Rocky Fielding, except we've already seen Canelo at 168 <laughs> pounds for a long time. So there's no like, oh man, is it too big of a weight class? No, no, no. This is like, he's he's crushing cans right now. Is unfortunately what the matchup is. They were talking about how, or at least uh, Ryder and his um, Sims, his manager or whatever, they were talking about how this should have happened sooner. But they felt that they had been jobbed in the Callum Smith fight, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. Um, I'm not. An, I didn't see it, so I'm not entirely certain. But they're saying that a good, um, 
reason why he deserves this fight is for having beaten Daniel Jacobs, which in this case also, I'm not... I, that one I did see, and I'm not entirely certain he did. Did you see his performance against Jacobs? I did. Um, I mean, it was it was a close closer performance than I think the Callum Smith fight was. I feel like he, he definitely won that fight. But the Jacobs fight... It was kind of sad watching those two because, you know, Jacobs for a while was a, a real true contender at 160 pounds, and it was very clear you're watching this guy fall off, and, you know, the fact that Ryder kind of, you know, you had it close with him, I think that says a lot about the state of his career as well. I mean, these aren't very... It was a very close fight between two journeymen at this point in their career. Ryder, being, like, younger and a little bit more closer to his prime time, uh, he left a lot to be desired in that fight and, uh, against Daniel Jacobs. And uh, do you think this goes past six? No, I think third, fourth, fifth round, uh, probably sooner, probably toward round three. I think because Ryder is—he's a pressure fighter, and I feel like that's not going to work. That is I mean, not going to work. His sort of his style of boxing uh, without limited his tool set is it's not going to work against Canelo. He's going to be eating counters from the first round, and as soon as he starts seeding ground to Canelo, it's over. Yeah, um, look at, like, Triple G, an elite pressure fighter, and he was in the second fight. I say Triple G won the first one. I stand by that. The second one, Canelo won that one. I stand by that as well. Regardless, in both of them, Canelo was able to start dialing in some pretty solid counter shots. And Ryder, mm -hmm. I am certain, does not have a chin as solid as Golovkin's. And he doesn't have the same boxing acumen either. This is not going to be a he pretty night for him. Doesn't have the instinct either, because Golovkin was even, even as old as he was in the first fight. I mean, he was still a killer. Second fight, too, but like, I mean, he really came in there with a full head of steam in that first fight. And. A lot of attributes that Canelo had to deal with, and he, he was able to deal with them eventually. Uh, Ryder has no of those. So. Yeah, definitely. This is like lamb to the slaughter kind of stuff. <laughs> Would you say that he's going to be riding to the slaughter? <laughs> uh, hey. Good one. All right, let's roll into the recaps. Um, it's been a while since the B-Sides panel convened, so we're going to breeze through these pretty quickly, see how far we get and see if RG decides to join us. Um, Saturday, February 11th, in San Antonio, Texas, we had Oshaki Foster beating Ray Vargas for the vacant WBC Super Featherweight title, and the co-main being Mario Barrios. Kind of a bit a bit of a get-back fight after his two back-to-back -back losses to Keith Thurman and Tank Davis, and he stops Giovanni Santiago in eight. From bottom up, Giovanni Santiago is, if I'm not mistaken, like a blown-up lightweight, maybe even lower than that. Maybe his best time was lower than that. And he's not very good. So this was... Wouldn't, would you say this is just like Mario Barrios getting his confidence back? Yeah. This is kind of the fight. If he didn't if he didn't win this fight, like, Ooh. man, your career's kind of... You're, you're toast. Yeah, it might So be. this is kind of his... This is his stake to stick around at 140 pounds which with tank kind of flipping back and forth between lightweight and 140 pounds and kind of the younger lightweights 
you know, not sure if they're moving up or when they're moving up. This kind of keeps him around as he could get a a mandatory shot against maybe a weaker weaker champion or someone maybe get into a uh, super Matias. like an inner potentially. He recently picked up a title at 140, but we'll we'll talk we'll talk on him a little more later. So continue. Sorry, I cut you off. <clears throat> oh no, that's okay. But yeah, it's like you know he can stick around and maybe be in a position to challenge for a belt or get into like a an interim scrap. So, but this was like if he didn't win this fight, this, that wasn't going to happen. So, good on him for getting the job done, I suppose. Yeah, it, they, that's what it was. Is, you know, go in there, do your job real quick, and uh, he's an exciting, exciting fighting style. So, it'll be fun. It, whoever, especially if he mixes it up with Matias, but. More on that later. Uh, Oshaki Foster, UD over Ray Vargas. Now, I I was hard pressed to find more than like two rounds that Ray Vargas won. How how close was this? Because I saw it a sweep. No, I saw this as very similar. I didn't. I don't remember exactly what I was doing on Fight Night. I only was, saw bits and pieces. But every time I like tuned in and watched whatever round it was on, Vargas was having no success. And I didn't see anything from him that was like, <laughs> it looked like as the fight was going on, it was just getting worse for him. Like, I, I didn't see a single round he won, personally. That's uh, Out of the, the small rounds I did see, so. Yeah, you put it right there. Like, he just had less and less success as the fight went on. We, I was talking about this with um, Asus on our Spanish show, that Ray... He's being trained by his dad now. Like there was a, a spat with uh, Nacho Berstein, and so he left that that camp. And like it, this was clear indication that his new trainer, his dad, is subpar. If you want to be a world champion, like you're gonna have to do better than this. Uh, he had no answer for anything that Foster was doing. Foster made Vargas play his game, and Vargas isn't. Like, he's boring, yes, but he's not necessarily someone to trifle with. This is uh, disappointing, but he'll be headed back down to 126, I assume. And he has a title defense coming up against Brandon Figueroa. Wait, he's already got a shot against Figueroa? Yeah, Figueroa and Maxaya was the interim, so there he's the mandatory. Oh, no. Oh, Brandon's going to mess with that, <laughs> Yeah, Yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he will. Pull uh, one out for poor Ray Vargas here. This is his last moment in the sun, and he goofed it. Yeah, it might be. This was his chance to sidestep Brandon Figueroa by doing, pun kind of intended, bigger things. But <laughs> goodness gracious, <laughs> he fucked that up. All right, let's move on to Friday, February 17th. This was a Showbox card. Did you watch Showbox? It was a long time ago, and like Showbox, not a lot of people watch it anyway. But did you catch these by chance? Uh, I did not. All right, not a whole lot going on here. The I do see Austin Trout want to fight. That's interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that was a bare knuckle. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, oh, okay. Um, Kurt Scooby, he was the standout here, not just because he got a stoppage. John Menu, uh, Australian guy, first fight in the U.S., but uh, Kurt Scooby. He seemed to be, of these six guys, he seems to be the most complete, uh, the most versatile. Um, everyone else was pretty one-dimensional. Uh, Ismail Villarreal, that was kind of a similar situation. Actually, Ardreal Holmes did what Ray Vargas used to do, which is to use his length, 
use his long ass legs to sidestep and keep out of the way of a very aggressive Villarreal. Um, Edward Vasquez, Misael Lopez, split decision, but uh, not very memorable. I heard a, an interview with Kurt Scooby. He's a he he's embraced his the way his name sounds, which is fun. <laughs> um, let's see the bare knuckle fight. Um, so these just wanted to point out Austin Trout. Uh, I had been a Trout uh, Trout fan for quite some time. Um, Diego Sanchez. He was in the Ultimate Fighter. He was in the UFC for something, for a while, and then he's obviously not uh, anymore. But uh, Austin Trout made pretty good work of him. Like that was a fucking clown. Him. Like Diego didn't was not able to hang with the slick late thirties Trout, which hmm. says something about bare knuckle guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, it probably says more about MMA guys coming into even bare knuckle boxing. That they that he can't hang. That it, yeah, it's a much different thing. So I just I, I know I recognize that name Diego Sanchez. So he was in a, actually a really really good fight against Clay Guida. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I want to say I've seen this fight. I don't know how old this is. One two one two one two. Yeah. There he is. The one and only. The legend. Uh, let's see. We had worked our way down to the bare knuckle fight. Yeah, just chatting a bit about Austin Trout, looking pretty good. Uh, but I mean, these are bare knuckle scrubs. And Lorenzo Hunt, uh, did you see this uh, knockout? I don't know who ninety percent of these people are. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, Lorenzo Hunt, uh, he was the champion or whatever bare knuckle champion. Michael Richardson. It was a crazy, crazy knockout. Uh, Michael Richardson had him, like, on the ropes. But Lorenzo Hunt, he went down. Uh, Mike Mike Richardson goes in to finish it. And then one hitter quitter, Lorenzo Hunt keeps his title. And uh, his face got mangled. Uh, so, yeah, look that one up. It's a fun knockout. Jordan Lobov still a bare-knuckle box. He was, like, pound-for-pound pound number one. <laughs> I don't uh, believe he is. I think his last one was Polly. I don't know if he's done one since Polly. I think Polly lost, he's, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. definitely fought That's why. Has he? Okay. Yeah, he lost to Jason Knight uh, a couple months later. And he hasn't fought since. Yeah. That, that fight was fire. I don't know if I actually remember that. That fight was insane. Jason Knight. I think bare knuckle shit is like super weird. That's that's definitely. Either they're paying these guys like $0, so the budget, it doesn't matter. Still, I like Austin Trout, so I'm going to keep up with his bare-knuckle career. I'm like, damn, is Trout that bad at professional boxing that he has to <laughs> I don't think he's that bad, right? Like, he could he could be, like, I don't know. I guess he might IBO be just... level. Yeah, like, he could be, like Spike. He could be rematching Canelo for the 168-pound title. Since that's the tier of, uh, that's where he's at now. Canelo's fighting now. Austin Trout, bare-knuckle champ versus boxing champ Canelo win. I think Canelo is uh, no longer going to fight African-American fighters, so Trout is unfortunately out of the running. Okay, um, next day, <laughs> in, uh, in Nottingham, bottom up, Gary Coley, Wilfredo Flores, TKO2, Dalton Smith, UD over Billy Allington. I don't know who those guys are. I don't really care. Those fights happen. Enjoy. Uh, Mauricio Lara, TKO7. 
the British Destruction Tour continues with the win over Lee Wood. This was the WBA regular, unfortunately, because Leo Santa Cruz still holds the super title. Still, fun to see. Mauricio Lars, he's an exciting fighter. And uh, it's it's just going to continue to be fun to watch him beat up British dudes so that I can clown on the British buddies that we have. Anybody want to comment on Mauricio Lara moving to London? I don't know if he actually did. I'm just... Uh, I'll, I'll ask this question. Um, did either of y'all have wood ahead at the time of the stoppage? Yes. I would say yes. If I had scored, I would say yes. Okay. It sounds like we're all on the same page here because I did too. And I don't know. That was kind of interesting to watch. Just that's sort of the kind of guy Lara is. It's sort of, if, he, if he gets his hands on you, he's going to end you. But until he does, it's probably not going to look so hot because he... He was really struggling at times. He yeah, seemed he like, was. Uh, <laughs> it was just, but it was fun all the same, and I'm I'm here for it. I really Every fight's going to be a nail biter. I hope that Lee Wood in the rematch. Uh, I really hope that Ben Davidson reminds him. Maybe don't stand in front of him. Huh? You think about that? Remember the last time that he fucking ended you, and I had to save you. Are uh, they actually doing that rematch? I believe so. Rematch oh, close. No. My issue with the rematch is like I'm pretty sure that was like as good as Wood could have done, like realistically. And Lara looked like I would say flatter than normal. Took him a little longer to find his range, and he still knocked his ass out. So I really don't know like what the appeal is for the rematch, but whatever. Just to dunk on the British more. It's pretty much it. Like Eddie, it's like the good side is Lara's young, so it doesn't really matter. But Eddie just wastes like so much of your time. But at the same time, he's probably making more money than he ever has. So, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Ace has brought up that picture of him walking out of like a luxury chocolate store right. in, in London, and he just had like full bags. Get after it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, top or matchrooms matchmakers are like great talent scouts for sure. They don't mean to be, but they are. Uh, same day in the U.S., we had Luis Neri versus Azat Kovanisian, and this is just a highlight or a headline. Shane Mosley Jr. UD over Mario Lozano, and he did not look very good. And Lozano's coming off of like a three-year layoff or some shit. Luis Neri gets the stoppage in 11 over Crazy A, as they call him. What I had said to Asus in our Spanish show is I'm not entirely certain if Luis Neri's back or whatever you want to call it. I didn't think that Crazy A was the type of guy that Luis Neri should be having like a quote-unquote fight of the year contender. It's not the type of guy you should be doing that with. Not if you're going to be calling out the likes of Inouye and Fulton, whoever wins or loses between those two. RG, what did you, do you, you're, you either really hate Neri or you really love him, and I don't remember which. Um, I don't really have that much of an opinion on Neri. I mean, I would say I'm more of a hater than, <laughs> than I am a fan, for sure. But now that I saw him get bodied by Figueroa, I really don't give a fuck. You know? <laughs> Did that settle like, your anger? Yeah, now it's just like, whatever. I feel like I, it was the fight at 118 or 122. 22. Yeah, I don't think that's the move for Neri. But he's a fat fuck, so I guess he can't move back down. Yeah, he yeah. moves up a lot. I don't think he's built for 122. Like, even aside, like, I think guys worse than Figueroa could probably beat him. Oh, I mean, shit. he's really not he's not that skilled aside from the fact that he knows how to finish people. And if he's worse than Figueroa and yeah, Carlos Castro got bodied by both of them. That's my guy <laughs> right there. God damn it. Was, you... yeah. Didn't Castro like run super close with 
scenario? It was like a split decision? Yeah, um, but it wasn't close. Um, the fight it wasn't? Was, no, the scorecard said it was close, but it wasn't. And like that's me talking about my boy, so I'm giving it like a fair look. Yeah, that was on like the Charlo doubleheader, I'm pretty sure, so I did not watch that shit. <laughs> there was way too much uh, card boxing for that card, but yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think Nary's totally out of the picture. He can definitely get another. I'm not sure who he'll shoot for. Definitely don't want to see him fight Fulton or in a way. I don't think he has any chance. But well, that's who he's lined up fight. for with the WBC. Oh, was that like a fucking eliminator? Yeah, yeah it was the final know. eliminator. Uh, well, good luck. <laughs> that's all I man. Hope they let him use some steroids again. Otherwise, he would get fucked <laughs> up. Hey, it was clenbuterol, buddy. Not a steroid, steroid. Nathan, tell me your thoughts. Neri calling out winner of Fulton in a way. Um, even speculation on loser of Fulton in a way. Whoever, whoever the case is. I mean, you give him a puncher's chance just because he has power and he's sort of a bigger, or I don't know if he's bigger, but he's definitely bigger than way. So he I don't rehydrates know a crazy amount. It's like thirty-five pounds. You kind of, right. you kind of think, you wonder if he could weight bully a guy like way who's coming up from so far down. But I, I don't know. I just, I think that he's Inouye's levels above what Nary is right now, and so I have a hard time seeing him beating either of these guys. Yeah, I think he'd get knocked out against Inouye, and I think Fulton would probably win a very wide decision. Yeah, his style on him. Similarly with um, the the old adage of not hooking with a hooker, Luis Neri, it's not a good idea to go head-to-head -head with Naoya Inouye. Very bad idea. Who was the last guy? Was it um, Sonny Edwards? Not Sonny Edwards. Paul Butler. That's right. Yeah. That was an unfortunate night for him. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, okay, let's move along. So, uh, the 25th at the Armory, Subriel Matias versus Jeremias Ponce. This was for the IBF title at 140, and on the undercard, another 140 fight. Uh, Elvis Rodriguez gets the decision over Joseph Adorno. Um, Adorno, you may or may not recall, he was on Showbox, I want to say September of last year, and he looked pretty okay. He was coming off his loss to Michelle Rivera, and here he is against Elvis Rodriguez, fighting to what seems to be a close fight. I'm not entirely certain that a majority decision is the right call, though. Uh, Nathan, did you catch this one? I did, but I can't recall much about this fight. Okay, so, not memorable. Fortunately. RG, not you got anything on fight. it? Not really. I don't know. Major takeaways. I don't think either guy is that good, to be honest with you. Yeah, they both just failed. It was kind of interesting because it was like two failed top-ranked prospects, pretty much, who were fighting on PVC. Yeah, we had talked about that in the Lost Tapes, where um, you were, I was under the weather and you were <laughs> over it. <laughs> right. Uh, Subriel yeah, Matias, though. The one issue with uh, scrapping that episode was that it will be lost to time that I got the prediction right. I picked Rodriguez, you picked Adorno. Uh, so. I did pick Adorno, that's right. I really did ride with him. I liked what I saw in the Showbox card, but what I did like, perfect segue, uh, Jeremias Ponce's opening like two rounds, three rounds. Yeah, those were like, definitely, if you're going to watch nothing that we talk about and you're just like listening to this episode you're having a manic break or something, watch like the first two <laughs> of fucking Ponce Holy Matias. That was, shit. That was really good. 
But that was also the moment where I was like, oh, Ponce's going to lose. <laughs> There's no chance he's going to keep up this pace. Yeah, he can't sustain that, though. He was going for the he blitz. Started, yeah, he started strong as fuck. I mean, I was like, damn, this guy, this guy's throwing some fucking haymakers. Yeah, really, really good fight. Not, you know, that was, I guess, a fight Ponce was banking on winning early, and I kind of have to respect him for going for it because a lot of guys won't. But that was a that was a hell of a fight. It it almost turned on like just on a dime. Like oh no, he's losing this fight now. It's over. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a uh, the point I was gonna make was once Ponce slowed down that and like oh okay that he he burned he burned it all he both he burned the candle at both ends and the shits run out and then Matias started laying it on. It's do you think that like, were they preparing for that? I wasn't too I'm not too familiar with Ponce before this. So I'm not sure if that's like how he normally rolls out. I've only seen him fight Ritson, who I mean, he just beat the shit out of because he's British. And aside <laughs> from that, he's pretty much only fights shooters. It's because so, he's British. <laughs> that's why. I mean, I mean, that's definitely a huge part of why he got knocked out so easily. But yeah, aside from that, he's like never fought anybody good. So it was, it was kind of hard to say. They felt like they were going to be two extremes. Either he was going to get murked and not be legit, or he was going to be like a freak. And he ended up being somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like he's not a freak. But he clearly wasn't. He couldn't hang. He's been fighting too many shitters. He didn't have the endurance to have a real fight. Uh, we mentioned earlier Mario Barrios uh, in his eight rounder, wait, eight round stoppage over Santiago. And so now that we're on Matias, let's see. How does would Ponce be able to blitz a guy like Barrios, who all who is like I don't, Mexican style, like in the truest sense of the word? Aztec. Yeah, I would favor Ponce in that fight, to be honest. What do you think, Nathan? How does uh, Ponce and Barrios play out? I don't know. How does how does Ponce lead? Does he try to burn everything in the first couple rounds? And I don't know. If he does that, I feel like Barrios could outlast him because he went the distance against, or he didn't go the distance against Tank, but he got to, what, 10th or 11th round before he got stopped. It was and then he went the, distance, went the distance versus Thurman. I mean, he got really beaten up bad, but I don't think Ponce is that kind of or he's able to sustain an offense long enough to do that to him. So I would actually think Barrios would edge it out at a late win. Just weathering the storm is pretty much the only problem? I think so. I think Barrios, he has enough wherewithal to say hey, I'm going to let this guy blow his load and once that's over with he's going to... I think I was supposed gonna... to say pause there. I'm not sure. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, healthy pause. All our Saudi Arabian listeners, this shit is over with. Uh, actually, yeah, I was actually checking the stats, and uh, Saudi Arabia is still on our map. Uh, hey, this guy, he's, he ain't gonna listen to the next episode. Though, <laughs> uh, uh, I just doubt. I would, which I mean, I doubt that fights. I mean, I could see it like theoretically happening, but. Probably not. I don't know. They'll probably try and throw Barrios back in the one of the PBC guys. Which, I mean, maybe PBC tries to make a deal with Ponce. Who knows? But uh, I, I just have doubts on Barrios' ability to, like, punish late. Like, I just remember how he looks versus Thurman. He looks like a fucking Ninja Turtle. I don't know if you remember. Yes, I do. Thanks for, like, swallowing shut. So, I'm just like, if Ponce can punch his face shut, but I don't know. The fight probably never happened. So, it's all just all just opinions. Well, yeah, the... The uh, PBC speculation part would be against Matias. Um, I'm not entirely sure where Barrios is on the rankings as far as the sanctioning bodies go, but even but still, that would be fun. 
Yeah, I'm happy he went back to 140. He's way more interesting at 140 than 147. Absolutely. Like 147, like he'll never be relevant. But with 140, he could pull out some wins, maybe. Yes. Moving on to Saudi Arabia, <clears throat> Badu Jack gets a stoppage over Ilunga Makabu in 12 to win the WBC Cruiserweight title, and Tommy Fury split decision over Jake Paul. Uh, starting with Badu Jack, we were talking about this in the chat not too, like maybe an hour ago, that as I watched it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Makabu is not very good, but Badu Jack looked, he looked like revitalized. Um, I think he's on two or three years with uh, Banks, Jonathan Banks, as his trainer. And I thought he looked pretty good as far as like conditioning and all that. But his last performance against Popeye Rivera was not very inspiring. And looking at the rest of the division, we were talking about that Armenian guy, and Caleb said he was shitty. I can't speak to that. I've never seen him fight. But Okoli and Opataya... I can tell you for a fact, Caleb's never seen him fight either. So, <laughs> <laughs> I because like I had to look this dude up. I have his name, um, Arson. Arson. Yeah, I have him listed on uh, my write up, the Wayside Monthly on our website. So I have yeah, him I thought, written out there. I'm always confused by guys. I'm just like, who? Like, how did he even end up winning the belt? You know? Because I think he fights out of France. So I guess yeah, he does. Gotta have somebody. It ain't gonna be Yoko. You gotta have <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Dude, I'm so ready to shit all over Yoko. Oh my god. <laughs> just, the uh, I have just a human being I have no respect for. I mean, he'll, he doesn't speak English. He'll never, I fucking hate Tony Yoko. I mean, genuinely, such a shitty fight. <laughs> Alright, um, so Badrujak gets the title. Um, looks like that Armenian dude's probably his best bet if he wants to start unifying. But Opataya and Okoli, uh, maybe not so much. Like, Opataya looked pretty decent in the fights I've seen him. But, who is not decent? Tommy Fury and Jake fucking Paul. That was a pretty poor fight uh, for both of them. Like, well, six fights, eight fights. Okay, uh, you get what you get. Not, but still, like for as much as the build-up, as much build-up as they put into it, as much theatrics as they put into the build-up and everything, the fight was too sloppy to be entertaining for me. But I'm I'm certain that people who don't watch boxing so much, they're not like fucking nerds like me. Probably enjoyed it, especially that knockdown at the end. Um, I labeled that section of my write-up uh, cruiserweight buttheads. Ugh, anybody have? Could somebody try? and throw, like, sprinkle on something positive on this steaming turd. Almost followed the script on the on Twitter. <laughs> the script rip. almost came true. That shit was so funny. So I think that's worth it. That was funny. But yeah, no, this was, this was kind of depressing. The Jake Paul meme has been fun. Yeah, um, it was fun. And I, I genuinely thought, man, Tommy Fury sucks. Like, if he can beat Tommy Fury, we can keep this going another against, like, some real shitter journeymen out at Cruiserweight, because there's a lot of them. But if you're not getting past Tommy Fury, you're not getting past much of anyone. I don't know. This fight was kind of like watching a loop. Jake comes in, head down, throwing overhands. Tommy avoids it, throws the same combination. Put that on a loop for seven rounds. Yeah, rinse and seven repeat. and a half rounds. So it looks like Jake Paul's going to be moving over to MMA. He signed an exclusive deal with uh, PFL. So obviously the competition's not going to be very good. And he also fucking hates Dana White. A lot of people do. Something cool that I wanted to point out is Jake Paul 
at the post-fight presser when he fought Anderson Silva. He was talking about that um, fighters association. He's trying to u- unionize combat sports for guys and women too. Like, but the, it's like the people at the bottom are sustaining brain damage and get like nothing. They have nothing to show for it. So I think it's pretty cool that they're he's setting up a way for those guys to have a, some sense of security in later life. I don't know when he first did it uh, or announced that he was kind of trying to do that i wasn't sure if i bought it because i felt like it was like stunt like literally anyone could criticize dana white about this or the ufc in general because it's like they're so bad about actually taking care of their their fighters but the way he's promoted um serrano gives me a little bit of hope that he'll actually follow through so i hope he does you don't have to like jake paul uh (laughs) most people don't i really don't but if he does this one good thing hats off to him I think um, Uriah Hall mentioned it, that he was fully, he was going to throw himself at it. Uh, Anderson Silva mentioned pretty strong interest. Uh, he seems like a more like soft-spoken kind of dude. And this deal with PFL, uh, it's, they're setting it up like a second company where, what, what are they calling it? Pay-per-view superstars or something like that? Paper, super fights, pay-per-view super fights. And the structure is that 50% of all revenue is earmarked, guaranteed, to be split amongst the fighters. So uh, it seems like he's starting, starting to do something. And uh, yeah, hats off, man. He's kind of a clown, but you know he knows his role and he's playing it well. Anything before we move into March? Ooh, I do want to chime in real quick on the Body Jack fight. That I kind of agree with what you guys are saying. Um, but I kind of feel like that was the last good fight of his career. That that kind of felt like a cap for him. That would be a good cap. I think he's going to keep fighting. Uh, he's going to probably lose a couple times, though, along the way. But with just the age he's at, I mean... It's almost 40. You, you could fall off very quickly. And, he, I mean, he has... I felt like he's fallen off a couple times already in his career, and he keeps kind of coming back. That was a great little, uh, little cap to his career, if you were to call it there, and I kind of hope he does. Yeah, the I was actually saying the same thing. Like after the Rivera fight, like you did not really deserve to win that because Badu Jack was fading, and yeah, um, that was that was a bad look. That was a bad night. I thought that that should have been the end. And even after this, you want to you know r- ride the high, you want to let it ride, but I don't think yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. All right, moving into March, uh, March fourth, Brandon Figueroa we had a good chuckle with earlier gets the UD over Mark Maxayo. This was the 126 WBC interim making him the mandatory for Ray Vargas. How did how did you frame it, Nathan? That's a very sad night uh, for Vargas if this Figueroa fight goes through. It sounds like it's already made. In the first like opening rounds I noticed that Figueroa was like trying to switch hit and I wasn't feeling it that really detracted from from what was otherwise a pretty solid performance. What did you think of that? I'm not sure. It kind of felt a little bit like he was trying something new, and that's Mike, Mike Sayo is the right guy to try something new because he kind of does the exact same thing. What, fall uh, on the ground? <laughs> that, but just high guard, kind of charge straight, straight toward you. Um, so it felt like Figaro was trying to kind of flex, maybe flex his wings a little bit, and he wasn't... Mm-hmm able to really do that so 
maybe not something we'll see come to fruition this fight, but maybe down the road. I wonder if he goes back to that later. RG, so our, our buddy Toast in the chat was pretty upset the scores being as wide as they were. Like, do you think do you think he was justified in being upset? He's also Pinoy, so that makes sense why he was writing for Max Io. But no, you... I, don't think, I don't think it really made a difference. I mean, I don't really know why people will give a fuck. Like when a guy clearly loses a fight and then like the cards are wide, it's like I mean, it was like an eight-four fight. Like they scored it ten-two. Like, wow, what a travesty! Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> hey, like most people don't remember what the scores are ninety-nine percent of the time, and like you know, clear losses. Yeah. Or clear wins or whatever like it's whatever who really cares like who like even today does anyone really talk about like 119 109 tfimo like not really because at the end of the day it was the right decision i forgot the scores actually now you're absolutely right i mean that was kind of a crazy score part 11 1 tfimo but i mean I, the only thing the sure. only one that i remember yeah, is uh 10 2 canelo over golovkin yeah, that's people will remember like or like before that it was one fourteen, one fourteen, like Mayweather Canelo, you know, yeah. people the like, draw or whatever. And those are really only exist as like a just a, a meme to, to pass around. They're not I don't think anyone takes those too seriously. See so at the end of the day right guy right guy wins most of the time. Most of the time. I mean if it would be, it'd be a lot different if Canelo Mayweather ended in a draw uh, or, or something like that. Because that of be, that bad scoring. Right. Well, it's just like uh, some jokes. Like when people make like Ortiz old jokes, I just want to fucking strangle him. It's just like, it's just, I, I'll, there's no zero percent chance it's gonna make me laugh at this point. Like I get it. Like he's old. I understand. Performance of Figueroa Maxayo. Can Maxayo still be circulated in the PBC ecosystem of 126? I mean, he sucks ass, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was 126, yeah. Like, 126 is just such a bad division. It's like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that Max Iowa could, could knock out, for sure. Like, I'm trying to even... I'm completely blanking on people who are at 126. Like. Santa Cruz? That could be a good get-back fight, because Max Io, you could frame him as being better than he really is. Yeah, because they're doing Figueroa Vargas, so they're both... That's that's that. Yeah, I really can't think of anybody other than Leo on the PBC side, especially. Or even really in general, like... I guess there's, like, Lara, but he's tied up in the fucking UK. Yeah. Okay, let's move down the card a little bit. Um, just two to mention quickly was Elijah Garcia got a KO4 over Amiliar Vidal. Amilcar Vidal. Fuck. They kept pointing out that Garcia is was 19. He's 19 years old. And then he's already at the 10-round 10, 10 10 level of fighting. His personal goal was to be a champion, world champion, before he turns 21. How realistic is that goal, Nathan? How many champions have we had before making 21? Um, Tyson. Mike Tyson. When did Canelo win a belt? Canelo won what? 23. Benavidez is up there. He was like 22. Yeah, but Benavidez is a freak, and I don't think Elijah Garcia is. So Garcia is what? 19 now? 19. The biggest question in my mind is not whether or not he's capable, it's whether or not he's going to get the shot. Mm -hmm. Because who's going to give a 19-year-old with not really much of a name uh, who's that dangerous, you know, who's potentially that dangerous uh, a shot? At one of their champions. Yeah. Just for a Google reference real quick, also Devin Haney. Devin Haney was also 20 when he became a world champion. 
Mm. Is that the email title or whatever? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. For some, but then reason... again, there's not really like outside of Charlo. I mean, there's not really any killers at middleweight. How does he fare against an older Golovkin? Golovkin's probably retired, isn't he? He vacated the belt. He, oh. he vacated one of them. Let me think. Charlo has WBC. I know he had. He got WBA from Murata. He had the IBF from Derevianchenko. Which yeah. one did he give up recently? It was the WBA he dropped because Lara was mandatory. Now Lara's Lara's the oldest champion in boxing. Shout out real quick. He's like 41 or something crazy. Glovkin would still probably. Glovkin can still punch. He did vacate the IBF. February eighth. He did. He oh, did. then he's he's probably retired then. Um, now he has none of his belts. I guess he, he's the IBO. I mean, Golovkin has to be the IBO goat, right? He's defended <laughs> IBO. Like, like, he is the Ray Robinson of the fucking IBO. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, wait. So that's that's an interesting question. If Elijah yeah. Garcia challenges for Golovkin's IBO belt, do we consider him a world champion before 21? No. <laughs> the IBO, four is like the max. The IBO is never going to happen. Letting the WBO join the club was a huge mistake. Fucking right it was. Um, okay, I wanted to ask, RG, I want to ask you this. So, are Aries Landi Lara is older than paper says? Are those jokes still acceptable? Or is it, is it only Luis Ortiz that's the problem? Yeah. People just make him for all Cubans, I guess, except yeah. for, like, bro. Like, the guys who are younger, like Regan now, people say he's, like, 70, like, or whatever. Which, I mean, most of them are probably true. Like, you can probably add, like, two or three years, but... I mean, some people literally think Ortiz is, like, 65. It's, like, dude. He's absolutely like, not 65. That's yeah, it's like, it's like late, like at max. Like at the like I think he's listed at 43. I would say he, at max he's like 47, 48 right now. You know, because that's you know don't get me wrong, that's like ancient. But. Brandon Lynch, Eddie Murphy's, I think nephew, got right. stopped in nine by Terrell Gaucher. Damn, that's getting a, stopped by Gaucher is a tough look. Yeah, for that, sure. that's a uh, that's that's pretty sad. <laughs> um. Also sad, kind of. Jared Hurd stopped by the doctor at the beginning of the tenth round. Um, he was getting his face bashed in. Uh, wasn't. I'm surprised that it even got. It had to go that far. Yeah, it wasn't a good look for Jared Hurd. He seemed to run out of motivation after like four rounds, but kind of got I'm, through on his size. I'm really shocked to even boxed again. I didn't even know who he was fighting until fight day. I didn't know. Yeah, I had no idea he was fighting until like an hour before. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty unfortunate. Like he's been really, really smart with his money. So I don't know why he's gonna, why he has to keep doing this. There's really no reason. Um, yeah, he's for sure stop. Like he just doesn't. It's just not. He doesn't have it anymore. Like he completely lost. Like when he was, I don't think he was ever great, but he had kind of like a momentum. The momentum is totally gone. Right. There's no point to get it back. Yeah, the steam has left the room. It's just like, I mean, his he, he didn't look... Like, he looked a lot better here than he did versus... Arias. Yeah. Yes. He looked a lot... Yeah, like, looked a lot more spirited. But it still just wasn't... It's just not there, you know? Like, when, when they, whenever they get to exchanges, you're not feeling... Like, back in the day, it was like, oh, shit, Hurd's gonna get the better of this. Like, right. they keep throwing. But now it's like, uh... <laughs> I don't know if that's true anymore. Like, he's shelling up more and more. Like, he's getting hit a lot. This doesn't make me think, like, Resendis is necessarily good. Like, I know for a fact Luis Arias is dog shit. He beat Jared Hurd. So this really isn't 
Like, it doesn't prove that much. Good fight, though. But I just, I'm, I'm more sad for, for her than I am for, uh, impressed for Rizendez, personally. Yeah, for real. Like, how the how the mighty have fallen. Remember when Herd and Charlo was, that was the super fight? That was a super to? fight. And they were still, like, before this fight, weren't they trying to talk about him and Jamal at 160? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, like dude, he would have put him thank, in a body bag. Yeah, thank God that didn't happen. Fucking right. That would have been bad. <laughs> Resendez Garcia. Maybe that would be a good little, little mix-em-up. Uh, moving along to March 11th in Liverpool. Uh, we're just going to breeze through these. Uh, the Callum Smith fight was called off, quote-unquote injury. But the rumor mill says that Callum Smith might be in the running for a shot at Better Be It. So, uh, rest in peace, Callum Smith. Um, Diego Pacheco stops Jack Cullen in four. Uh, Pacheco is 22, super middleweight. He has time. You can let some of the, the top guys sort of age off. He showed a little bit of vulnerability here and there, but it was really fun scrap. I recommend it if you didn't see it. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Do I phlegm the GH? Darach Foley? Uh, Foley gets the stoppage win in three. He did not necessarily stop Robbie Davies Jr. I wanted to point this one out for be a little bit masochistic and look up Robbie Davies' ankle and thank me <laughs> later. <laughs> Robbie Davies' ankle took a vacation and said, I'm out of here, I'm done. That was some McGregor shit, yeah. Yeah, hit that McGregor, bro. That was bad. Uh, <laughs> Two steps. It looked just like uh, the Kevin Durant injury that, that just happened. Except oh, it Durant, does. It shattered his ankle, but it folded just like it. Yes, it did. All right, the time has come. In Paris, France, Carlos Tacom gets the question mark split decision win over Tony Yoka. RG, the floor is yours. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I just think Tony Yoko is like a completely embarrassing fighter. Like another guy who, here's the issue, okay? Jared Hurd, he's finished, like shouldn't box again, but at least he's like doing real estate or some shit. Like he, you know, what the fuck is Tony Yoko doing? He better have a backup plan, bro. He's gonna be a fucking McDonald's. He, ain't, he, he shouldn't be boxing. I'll tell you that. Cause I can't imagine anybody's gonna be buying fucking tickets after these two, after fucking what Macaulay. was the other guys? Yeah, Bacoli, and now now fucking 43-year-old Carlos Takam. Oh, my God. You couldn't even pay Takam to lose the fight. You didn't even have the dignity to fucking... Unbelievable. Just unbelievable shit. There, I wouldn't say that this was not an upset win. The upset would have been if they had robbed Takam. Because that performance from Yoko was fucking pitiful. That was... Almost, it, was it was worse than Bacoli. Yeah, yeah. He, he made just looked like ten years younger. He did. Yeah, he just doesn't like give a fuck. I guess I'm just like, why do we even like? You just look at all the fucking lights and all the sound guys. I'm like, why did you bring these people out here? Just to get your ass beat? Like, what? What was the point? You should just told them, guys. You know what? I'm a fucking fraud. Like everybody, go home. <laughs> Like, that's what you should have done instead of showing up. I'm not hey. refunding your tickets. Eat shit. Like, just go home. Like, I don't know how to box. Like, the gold medal <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, nobody's, there's no show. We we robbed Joe Joyce at the Olympics. I mean, like, how many natural resources, like, fucking, were shot to those? <laughs> so, Tony, okay. 
could lose to a 44 year old. <laughs> what was the carbon here. footprint, Tony Yoka? Yeah, like zero <laughs> purpose for zero. <laughs> oh my god, Orod, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, if Orod was here, I'd be like, dude, oh my god. <laughs> he's, lucky. he's lucky his wife made him. Tony Yoka. Yeah, I mean, in a great storyline, Gon and Yoka both getting packed up within a week. Like, wow. Just the most French <laughs> thing you've ever seen. Just took absolutely pathetic. Who was the more pathetic? Okay, I honestly think Yoka was still more pathetic than Gon, even though Gon lost in two minutes. Because I think Gon was just clueless as to what to do. You know what I mean? Yoka just has yeah. no, no heart. Yeah. At least, at least. Uh, Gone lost to the goat. Yoka lost to Carlos. <laughs> no, well, here's the issue. Chizora knocked him out. So mm, that that's pretty bad too. That's that's the next fight to make though, to calm Chizora too. <laughs> Probably that's that would fall in line with uh, matchmaking for sure. That would honestly be one of the better fights they made for him in the last like five years. <laughs> so call me a sadist. Tony Yoka in Paris. Against Deontay Wilder. Here's the trying to get a man killed or something? Yes. <laughs> to if it's Tony Yoka, yes. They would literally outlaw boxing in France if that fight happened. <laughs> like they do with the MMA. MMA was only legal until like a year or two ago in France. They would outlaw boxing. If it's fucking you put Wilder versus Yoka on French pay per view, they would outlaw that shit. Kids would be crying, like having seizures. It'd be fucking crazy. <laughs> um, okay. Let's go to. Uh, to Australia. <laughs> oh man, clowning on Yoka is always fun. <laughs> Australia. We can keep talking about it, but for his, just for his health and like his reputation as like a human being, he definitely should not keep fighting. He really should stop if that's what he's gonna do. Did Jared Hurd look more heartless than Tony Yoka? No, Jared Hurd. There were moments where he was like getting the better of his enemies for sure. Yeah, and he started it's off well. He, he, he at least had the, you know, like it, it, part of the reason he got stopped is because he tried so much and he used so much of his gas tank. Yoka just doesn't try. Like once he realizes, oh shit, this guy like wants to win. I guess I'll <laughs> yeah. like, This okay. man intends to punch me. <laughs> I'm fucking out of here. Like you compare it to like David Price, but here's the thing. David Price just didn't have a gas tank and was like completely dog shit. So he would get knocked out. Yoka just like doesn't. It's like, I'm just like, what is your mentality in the training camp? Like, in the months leading up to this fight? Like, <laughs> do that. I, it's just so strange to me. <laughs> okay, we, yeah. <laughs> we have to go to Upside Down Land, where Tim do. Yeah, he needs to fire his entire training staff and get a fucking therapist, to be honest. <laughs> then he needs to box again. No, I think that the, his training staff needs therapists. They're the real ones getting really hurt here. here. Everybody there, everybody involved in that fight needs to go to fucking prison, to be honest. <laughs> Virgil Hunter. I say it all the time. He's a terrible trainer. <laughs> oh, it's Virgil. Okay, I didn't even fucking realize. Okay, yes, okay. Virgil Hunter. Like, he thinks... That does kind of... Oh, I did well, this with Andre Ward. Here, let me take that to everyone else. And it never yeah, works. Like, yeah, it's like somebody like Andre. Like, I just can't imagine that Virgil would ever give Yoka like the type of like speeches he would give award i just cannot imagine that would ever go down well like i yoko would start fucking crying if he would tell the shit he would tell the award who i can't remember who i was talking to i think it was it was robbie 
we were talking about Yoka and that, like what Virgil Hunter was like saying to him, and he, it's all like fluff. It's all fucking sunshine and rainbows type of shit. Like he has like Tony Yoka. If he hears some sort of negative, some negative reinforcement or an attempt at negative reinforcement, he'll just completely bottom out and he can't take it. Dude can't fucking handle it. He can't handle pressure. It's kind of a weird common theme at uh at heavyweight. A lot of a lot of like cupcake trainers for sure. That's great. Like that was like the your most cupcake trainer you've ever seen. But to be fair now, like Sugar Hill will he's one of the more upfront of the the guys who hit you know, train relevant heavyweights. Like the guys that come to mind, like whoever Usyk's guy is when it's not uh Lomachenko's dad. I have no fucking idea what his name is, but that guy's pretty upfront, the older guy, and fucking and Sugar Hill. But the other guys like like AJ is just like revolving. Maybe Derek James will break the the mold for AJ. You know, I hope so. It'll be interesting. To see. It'll be interesting to see AJ with somebody who will like get on his ass. You know. Yeah. So I hope that I hope that's the way that that uh, Derek approaches that shit. All right. You mentioned cupcakes, so let's use that as our segue to Australia because Tim Zhu was not a cupcake. Uh, Tony Harrison was. Was he? Was he? I don't think so. I think he was okay for a little while. A little bit. He didn't. He didn't look all that. I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm a notorious Tony Harrison fan. Okay, so <laughs> should go ahead and throw that out there. Maybe but no frosting. Yeah, it didn't look. It didn't look all there. I don't think. Which I mean, to to like, I, I did. I pick Tony out of posterity, 100. percent But realistically, Zoo should always win this fight. It's a very bad style matchup for Tony. But he just didn't have a lot of. Just a lot of juice in there, you know. Yeah. It looked it, like. Just, it's, Seem to get going. It looked like what was missing is like he didn't have any pop on his punches. He had he didn't have enough power to keep Tim Zhu away from him. He was just like poking at him. It's like this is clearly yeah. not gonna work. This is never ever gonna work. I don't know what his game plan was. He just he he had his jab and he had kind of he was comfortable enough to sit on the ropes and just just poke at him. Like, Try to I counter. He didn't have anything else. Yeah, but he didn't land a whole lot, and nope. he, it didn't seem like he was too motivated to try either. And his counters started getting countered, because Tim Zhu was faster than him, which he didn't expect. That was interesting, seeing uh, Tim, I think, kind of up his game a little bit. Um, that was probably the most composed we've ever seen from him. We've seen him get reckless at times, but he, he kind of played it patient for that fight, and it paid off. Do you think he does well against Charlo, Nathan? I think it's a more entertaining fight, but I don't think he's going to win that fight now. Because, and the biggest reason is, the only thing Tony Harrison was able, that really had in his toolbox was a jab. And he still was able to land quite a bit on Tim, and Charlo's jab lands significantly harder than Harrison's. Quite. So, if he's going to be eating, like, 60, 70 jabs, he's not going to be able to apply the same amount of pressure, and he's not going to be able to dictate the pace of the fight like this one. So I think he's going to get knocked out in the end. But I think the early rounds will be really entertaining if they go to exchange punches. I think Tim's brave enough to try to trade hooks. RG, what do you think? Oh, about the Charlo? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that is pretty early. I think Charlo puts him away pretty early. I just think if you look at... Uh, I like Zoo, I'm not going to lie. There, there was a point where I was a pretty big Zoo header because I thought he was a t- total high job. People forget now. He did a lot of obnoxious shit. Like, you look up what he did the Kurbanov situation, where, like, 
he's trying to like get an email mandatory instead of fighting Kurbanov is super fucking weird. But uh, I think he's proved himself. He came to PBC. You know, he didn't play. If he would have went to top rank, he would have been like top two most hated boxers for me. But he, he came to where the, the best fighters in his division are. Got to respect that shit. But if you look at his, basically all of his competition before PBC is completely irrelevant. He fights like Jeff Horn and shit. And his only two PBC fights were against like no power boxers. And he still got dropped by Gache. You know? Yeah. So it's like this guy's really never fought a power puncher. And now he's going to fight like... The, the power guy. puncher. The power yeah. puncher at 154. Yeah, got everybody in the division. And he's open to counters. Like, how did Gache get him? Right hand off the ropes. If Charlo runs out, it's going to be over with. He landed that in like the first round. So I, I don't think that fight goes for very long. Rest in peace, Australia. Ooh, okay. So well, they, they sure celebrated it like it was their Super Bowl. So. Yeah, they did. It's like, well, that was very funny. It's like it reminds me of how uh, people clowned um, Ryan for when he beat was it Campbell? Yeah. Where he just went absolutely ape shit. It's like this was like a million times more over the top. They're like shooting fucking Undertaker flames and shit, like <laughs> <laughs> confetti blasts everywhere. Yeah, it was insane. Like women started getting naked. I'd never seen nothing like ripping like, like Tony Harris, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" They're just ready to anoint their next savior after uh, Volk barely lost to Islam. They're sure. just they're ready for the next next big thing. Okay, so we are at an hour and fifteen. Do we want to skip the previews and then just go a little bit of discussion on the announced fights? Yeah, that's probably fine. All right, cool. Um, so Tank Ryan is uh, finally official, April 22nd. This one isn't as divisive. I think a lot of people are expecting a, some like something really fun, really entertaining. Um, I have a write-up on this when they announced the fight. Um, it's on Wayside Monthly on our site. A lot of people don't may not know, RG is not a name. It's RG Ryan Garcia. So kick it off for us. What are we? What are we looking at? What are we expecting? Tanks going to jail. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be very interesting for sure. Um, Tank is another guy who I think, if you look at it, okay, if you look at his entire record, he's yet to fight like a one-hitter power puncher. Like he's fought guys who can hit, like Barrios can hit, yeah, Cruz hit, but it's relative, right? Like I don't think either of those guys hit like Ryan or have the speed like Ryan. So I think physically, Ryan is easily the most impressive um, fighters ever faced. Yeah. Like, you think, like, Tank is the same guy who's fought people like Leo Santa Cruz. And now he's going to fight Ryan Garcia. Like, there's a huge difference, you know, in physicality. I mean, this is basically a 140-pounder. Yeah. Regardless of what catch weight is. And, you know, obviously that plays a role. But, I mean, Tank is the favorite. He'll open as the favorite. He'll close as the favorite. He'll probably win. But I don't think people should fucking, you know, Count think out. the sky if uh if ryan pulls it out that's my opinion i see nathan what about you are you solidly in one camp or another um i think i believe in tank more just i think if you compare both guys tank has the more complete well-rounded game but garcia has got some intangibles and some physical attributes i think that make this a really really interesting fight one of the biggest pluses in tanks attributes is his ability to counter and you know, kind of the power he puts into that. Well, it's really hard to counter someone as fast as Ryan. It takes, it's going to take him, he's already a slow starter. I think it's going to take him longer to get used to that speed and figure out his range and when he can actually step into those punches. And I think for that reason, I think the first six rounds of this fight are going to be 
really, really interesting. But the longer this fight goes on, the more stock I put in tank, finding the punches to put him away. So Ryan needs to go out in this fight, I think, and win quickly. He needs to win within the first six. If it goes later than that, Tank's gonna eventually favor him. He's gonna figure more. it out. Right. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna download his data as the as the kids say. Yeah. And he's gonna find his find his punch. But I mean, there's a real chance he doesn't. Ryan's speed is who even comes close to that in these adjacent weight classes. I mean, is he the fastest guy at least hand speed? Might be up to forty seven, maybe even. Maybe even up to 47. And you add that, he's one of, probably one of the better power punchers. <laughs> so it's like, that's a lethal combination. So something interesting that, like, both of you pointed out about how, like, Tank dials in, uh, kind of takes his time figuring things out. And, Nathan, you mentioned how he looks, like, tries to set up a counter to finish things. And, th well, that's how he got Raleigh out, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But... Something that wasn't mentioned is that Ryan is also a pretty fucking solid counterpuncher. Like that, his his little check left hook is fucking disgusting. So he's got, got solid power that you've both mentioned. He's fucking lightning quick. And that left hook, can, like, that's how he's stopped multiple fights. Yeah, it's it's so quick you have to you have to play it on, you legitimately have to play it on slow-mo. It's like watching a Floyd Mayweather counter sometimes. <sighs> Javier Fortuna, I know he's, you know, old and he's past it and all that, but Fortuna, the stoppage of Fortuna, I had to watch that no shit double digit times to really catch it. It's not an exaggeration. That boy's hands are fucking fast and they're heavy. And as much as I love Tank, I also love Ryan. I've, it's hard to pick, really hard to pick. My only concern is that when he goes to throw in that hook, he leaves his his chin's yes, pretty high up in the air and it's undefended. So if yeah, if if Tank just drops and throws an overhand and it lands, like that's that's it. That's game over. I mentioned that in my little write up. Um, exactly that. Like he he leaves his when he throws his left hook. It's I don't know why he starts turning into a giraffe. Like his neck goes way the fuck up. Like his chin is just sitting there, pretty waiting for it. And Tank is not the guy that you want to be doing that against. I really hope Goosen figures out a way to get him to stop, or it's going to be an early night. Fulton Inway on the 7th of May. So this one is getting is a little bit more divisive, and I think that's really fun. Personally, I'm riding for my man Ful uh, Fulton, cool boy Steph. He's a really smart guy. I really don't think that Inway is... He is, like, a, he, they call him the monster for a reason. He... He really does bash people up, but you're not going to convince me that a dude that started at fucking minimum weight has heavier hands than Brendan fucking Figueroa at 122. I'm just like, dude, there is absolutely no chance, like physically speaking, right. in a way it's hard Figueroa. There is just no fucking way. And like, I think people would honestly be shocked like by how easily. Bolton was able to sit in the fucking pocket with Brandon Figueroa. And that's another thing. Like, the physicality is just totally good. In a way, we'll absolutely never be able to get close to him. He's not going to bully Fulton. Famous last words, I guess. I think an issue with Inouye is like, and it's not entirely his fault. Um, it's mainly the fault of, like, his team. Or, I'm not exactly sure what his situation is. Like, if, you know, whose manager is or any shit like that. 
but uh, he's fought a lot of shitty competition. Like, let's just be honest. Like, Top rank has not a lot a, to do with that, I bet. Fulton yeah. has had chances. I mean, most most of Fulton's fights has been blowouts, but he gets rounds in. He had the Fulton fight or the Figueroa fight. I mean, very close. Daniel Roman. In a way, like who? He's had no challenges since Donaire in 2019. He said he's never yeah. sparred with a black fighter before, specifically <laughs> like a black fighter that's like slick and like technical. I was thinking about making a joke in chat today about how, like, if you look at fucking, you know, some people have, like, Canelo and Inouye is, like, number one and two, or they used to, maybe not Canelo anymore. And then you look at their resume, it's like, is it fucking 1930? Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> like ain't not, not a black fighter in sight, bro. But, I mean, to be fair, at least in Inouye's case, it's like there's not a ton of black fighters at, like, 115. Like, yeah, it's, that's it's true. Not, it's just not a huge amount. Yeah, I think it'll be a huge, a huge uh, stylistic uh, issue for Inouye. Just because of the size and, and what Fulton likes to do. It kind of reminds me of Bavol Canelo. Like, you just have the big boxer who nobody really gives a fuck about. Or it's like the small guy who everybody loves. You know? And then, and then you know, you wake up to reality. Nathan, do you think that the never... We won't even use black as the thing, but, like, in a way, he's never really fought a, a technician like this. Do you think... I'm trying to think. Has he ever fought an American fighter, in a way? Um, Puerto Rican. But... Yeah, he fought a... What's that guy's name? But that was a snoozer. Like, the guy was in survival mode. I, mean, I honestly don't know if he's ever fought, even fought an American. Which, again, not a lot of Americans know his weight classes. So, yeah, it's, it's not like he's done body. It's just a you know, reality of competition. Latin America and Asia. Yeah, it's 100% just <laughs> Latin. Yeah, no, there, I think that's a real... Maybe not a criticism, but a reality of... In a way's record. He's not had many killers. He's... Outside of Donaire, it's like... Who is he? That was yeah, ancient so Donaire. Let's play the game. Let's yeah. play the game. What's his second best win besides Donaire? Narvaez at yeah, 108. Like, or yeah, like, he was like 41 at the time. Yeah, like, Tayano or Rodriguez? I don't know. Rodriguez, I would say. But, like, the fact that like, this is... We're getting to the bottom of the barrel here. You know what I mean? Like, My issue in a way is, like, is that his fault? Absolutely, it's not his fault. Like, like, what is he supposed to do? Fucking create better fighters in his weight class? (laughs) But I'm also, like, I mean, people have him, like, number two or number one pound for pound. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't fight good fighters. Like, it's just the reality. Like, if you don't fight good fighters, I'm not going to put you... They're not even average. Yeah, it's just... It's, like, even, okay, like... You could call me a hypocrite, because I put, like, Shakur up there. But it's, like... I promise you, Oscar Valdez would fucking, if you shrunk him, okay, he had the exact same skill set. Valdez is known as not like a super skilled guy. If you shrunk him to 115, he would fucking body 90% of that division. I promise you. You know what I mean? It's just such a low, such a low like skill floor, you know? It just yeah. starts so low. I will say though, in Inoue's defense, I mean, he's done exactly what you'd expect him to do. If this guy's really elite if he's really that much better than everyone else he should be doing what he's been doing to his competition and there are things that just pop out just on the eye test to me like you just it's just his speed and his power it's kind of like i don't want to say like ryan garcia but it's like they're just qualities that like his punch selection and and punch placement are phenomenal they shine off the screen no matter who you put him against yeah, the one thing you have to love about it in a way is like usually when people are at these weight classes and they get a lot of hype and you watch them, it's like they throw 400,000 punches and like both guys have like two cuts, then that's it, you know? In a way, it puts people, like he sends people to God. So that's not something you usually see at 118, 115. You know? And a guy coming from 105. Um, maybe you should hit up, uh, what was Manny Pacquiao's uh, quote-unquote strength and conditioning guy? I mean, you, you definitely have to wish that 
in a way was had like a it was you know born in a different generation or something like i would love to see in a way versus like young donut or young rigando like that would be a phenomenal young rigando holy shit that would be an amazing fight but I mean, that's just he's just he's in the areas and i mean he's one thing i do you have to absolutely respect he's fighting for like there's no like but fuck you know, yeah he wanted it yeah. like he was looking for it and same with uh fulton not shying away from it yeah yeah i think i think he, it, it, there was a story about how like i don't know if it was Heyman specifically but pbc was like not that interested in sending Fulton in japan yeah and was, like, i remember that like Fulton was like you're gonna make the fight like there's there's zero doubt this is fucking fight. happening i'm yeah, about so to shut this to, dude up yeah see yeah. that's a big as much yeah. as I, I i'm i'm still team in a way i'm worried i'm gonna get a reality check like you guys are saying but the fact that fulton's like yeah i'll go fight this guy in his own country that's that's pretty bold and yeah, his style lends to decision wins more than it does for stoppages. Yeah, some fights you kind of like, or you can be like very cynical about. Like for example, like I mean, we use like Canelo's last like two fights, okay? <laughs> just to shit on Canelo a little bit. Like Canelo, Golovkin, Canelo, Ryder. You're just like, I mean, do, do these guys even like even Golovkin? Does he even think he can really like in his brain? Like honestly, does he think he can win? I I, I don't really think he does, and so like I don't give a fuck. Like Fulton, in a way, both of these guys are one hundred thousand percent sure they're gonna win. Yeah. So that's just fascinating to see play out. Yeah. And that's why I think this fight will actually that's why I'm not expecting a landslide. I think in a way is willing to go out on his shield if he has to. He's gonna try everything he's gonna throw the kitchen sink at Fulton yeah. if he's having struggles. And I think just with his the qualities he's shown thus far, I think it's gonna make it interesting. It'll probably closer than people think. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if Fulton can sting it. Because he's not really nobody's ever accused Fulton of being a power puncher, but no. uh I mean, in a way, this is like fifth weight class. You know, eventually they start to, at least it could be like, again, just to use the analogy again, like Canelo Bavol. Like, did Bavol ever, like, really rock Canelo? Not really. But he could, he buzzed him at certain moments, made him shut up. Yeah, he, so be yeah, that was right. Moving along, moving along. So this is a little bit of straddling the line between the ultimate fucking casual and this here B-Sides. I saw an article, I don't know how true this is, or I don't know if, how how based in reality this is, but Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder talking about a possible matchup. I don't know enough about Francis Ngannou to really say one way or another. I just know that Wilder is, like, obviously, right hand, right hand to God. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys can school me up. Like, what's what's the deal with Francis Ngannou? And I know he's a big name and a big person, but I don't know what's up. He's what, sorry, the rare uh, heavyweights who's not like 400 pounds, so people get really excited, basically. <laughs> well, because he's jacked. Yeah, you look at most of your roster, and you're just like, wow. Even These John are, Jones looks soft as fuck. Yeah, which yeah, mm-hmm. John Jones is a little puffy, but Ganu is obviously just like an absolute freak. So he is the he's the visual, you know. Like he's AJ. definitely huge. Yeah, I honestly think it sucks for Ngannou because Ngannou, like, if you just look at it from a like a moral perspective or an ethical perspective or professional perspective. He 100 percent made the right move leaving the UFC, but I'm not sure if he's going to get rewarded. You know, because I don't know if this fight's going to happen really. And if it doesn't, and the Fury fight doesn't happen, I really don't think that one's going to happen. Then it's like, what did he leave for? You know, like, well, where where's the like? Is he here to PFL and fight for a million dollars? We'll see what happens. I hope for his sake. I mean, he'll absolutely get bodied, but I hope for his sake it does happen. I think we talked about that on our episode of uh, Ultimate Fucking Casual about Nganu and like what his options are if he can, if he comes back to UFC or 
goes to Bellator or PFL or fucking decides to go to Ryzen or whatever. But uh, Nathan, what do you got? School me up. I'm the ultimate fucking casual. Yeah, so it's funny. Uh, the best way to describe Nganu, kind of, he's Wilder's... He, he's Wilder in the MMA. Just the way that he <laughs> swings for the fences. Mm. There's, there's no... I'm not going to say he's he's got no technical skills, but, like, I mean, the guy swings haymakers, and there's so many fights you can go back and watch where the fight's over in less than 30 seconds. I mean, he just he charges in throwing the widest hooks you can imagine, and the first three will miss, and the fourth one hits him, and the guy's unconscious before he hits the ground. He's the only guy, I think, that really compares to Wilder in power in this era. He, he might be one of the strongest hitters like, across any sport, any combat sport. Um, I'll give that to uh, Pierre. I think he's probably, it's probably him and Pierre, the heaviest MMA hitters. Yeah, I mean, he's he's totally lights out. But I think his prospects coming into boxing, the only thing he stands to gain is Money. a pretty big paycheck. Yeah, which I think he deserves. Um, but, man, we see guys, that, MMA guys like to hype up their guys as coming into boxing and it's like well they've got these skills that a boxer isn't going to know what to deal with when it, it turns out it's the other way around i feel like if you put nganu in a boxing ring he's going to look awful and even with someone like wilder who i don't think anyone regards having any kind of technical prowess it's like wilder's going to look like tommy hearns in there or something he's going to look like way above his actual his, skill uh, level exactly interesting and i mean I think if they fought, I can't see that fight going past, like, three rounds. It's probably not going past one. I feel like the first punch that lands is probably going to win, and Wilder's probably going to be the one to land it. So, Right, because you're constraining Nganu into a very specific skill set. And that Deontay Wilder, you know, say what you will, is objectively more proficient in it. Wilder's not going to lead with a wide right hook. He's no. going to... He's set, gonna. He's gonna set up that back. straight. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna throw out that left either as a blinder or a jab, and he's just gonna throw his one two, and that's gonna be it. I had the same argument um, with a lot of Irish people at uh, Mayweather McGregor. A, a lot of that fucking oh, the so many angles. Like there's eight McGregor fights in eight angles, and Mayweather in four. Are you? This, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, you're telling me that. One of the, if not the, greatest boxer ever is fighting a, you know, what is McGregor like an all-time great level kind of guy? No. No? So uh, not not even an all-timer. Maybe a featherweight. Mm. Yeah, I think he's, you have to look back on his run, kind of historically, just the kind of his rise, rise to power, so to speak. But like, yeah, he doesn't make anyone's Mount Rushmore, I don't think, in MMA. I think he would make, well, I mean, if you're being objective in terms of accomplishment, definitely not. But I think if you asked, like, a, a UFC crowd, like, a 9 out of 10 would have one about Rushmore. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think the casual fan loves McGregor. Even in, like, boxing, like, really since Mayweather, we, even there's never been someone who, I mean, there's, like, Canelo, but I, I feel like even that wasn't exactly the same. He's on Mexican Mount Rushmore, but not all-time boxing. But uh, I just mean in terms of mainstream appeal. You know, oh, mainstream appeal. Hit like a weird, a weird niche that like no one's really hit in a long time. I mean, John Jones, he's maybe he's close, I guess. I would think most people would at least like kind of pretend to know, <laughs> you know. 
So that does it for our little outro section. Have I just have a question for you, Leo? How many Nganu knockouts have you seen? Um, post over and one of that. It's like that, a huge upgrade. That I can recall, like clearly, none. Okay, because I'm gonna send you one. Uh, this yeah, if there's against... a compilation of his, like his highlight reel. I'll, I'll definitely take a look. Yeah, you need to watch specifically the one against Overeem. Uh, that's, I mean, that's probably still one of the most devastating knockouts I've ever seen personally in any sport. Well, on the Nganu talk, that takes us out the door, where I get to start plugging all our shit. Um, Nganu, we're gonna talk about this Wilder fight possibility also when we have chief on for the ultimate fucking casual we have our ufc 285 bellator 292 reviews we got our previews for 286 and bellator 293 if you need something to read when you're taking a shit uh, wayside monthly is on our website lbxentertainment.net and if you prefer to listen to me make an ass of myself in Spanish, boxing in Espanol, I'm getting an outro fucking made for this one. Questions or comments on what we talked about, or if there's a topic that you want to hear, 833-589-7637. It's an unattended phone line. I'm not picking it up. I don't want to talk to you anyway. Leave me a message. That's 833-LUXPOTS. All right, boys. Parting words? Good episode. Thank you for letting me fill in. All right, boys. Talk to you all. All right, thank you all.